Can you run that by me again? Nikor says as he paces back and forth inside the cluttered mechanics room that Tinker has taken over aboard the Second Chance. Tinker, with his feet up, stretched out in a makeshift hammock that he has strung up within this space, looks over at Nikora as he continues to do his endless circuit of the small room. Like I said, Nikora, I think when I connected the AI's brain to Chance's systems, somehow the two got merged into one, or at least that's what it appears to be to me. Nikor stops his pacing for a moment and looks at the newest addition that has been added to Tinker's mechanics room. A scantily clad lady in front of a giant wall of water, complete with a strange saying that makes no sense to Nikora. Surf's up, dude, he says out loud. What does that even mean? Nikora shakes his head, focusing back on the task at hand. So, Tinker, you're saying that we can't just disconnect Subject Alpha's brain thing from the computer of the second chance or it may kill well maybe kills not the right word but may have devastating consequences to the software and possibly the hardware of both the second chance and the computer running subject alpha old man tinker simply non-committally shrugs his shoulders Honestly, Nakora, this is not my specialty. I barely dabbled with computers and software during my time with the Brotherhood of Steel. I'm a mechanic. I like the grease. I like the big parts that are moving. Hell, I could probably even tinker around with the E-Drive a little bit in order to make it quicker for us to drop in and out of drift space. Fancy VEIs and whatever the hell that brain thing is, that ain't my specialty. Now, if we were back on the Aegis hold, Nakora simply raises a hand to cut him off. Tinker, you know we can't go back there. Not until we fulfill the contract that negotiated our release from there. We have to find out who or what organization is conducting these raids and attacks on the Brotherhood. Tinker once again non-committally shrugs. Look, Nakora, I ain't gonna tell you how to run your ship, but I heartily recommend not just disconnecting the brain thing from the ship. Could have dire consequences, and who knows how far it's managed to infiltrate into the subroutines. That being said, he pauses for a moment and glances down to where Petra is below them, inside of the box, watching over Subject Alpha. Certainly, with her weapon drawn and trained on it. I ain't so sure I know what Petra's gonna do. I don't know why she's got this vendetta against the brain machine. But if she does something stupid, we might end up sitting out here drifting in the black. Nakora simply nods his head in agreement. Tinker, you know there's nothing we can do about Petra. She's driven, and she's dangerous. At least, she's capable of being dangerous. I also suspect that there's more to her than she's let on. Certainly she might come from nobility, but the way she moves, she ain't no simple pretty thing that was dressed up and taken to fancy parties on the elbow of some prince. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Roll. As always, I am your host, player, and GM Hero Cities. And I'm happy to bring you Iron Sworn Starforged for your listening pleasure. 
Hopefully today we are able to go back to the beginning where we first started off with episode zero. Barring any unexpected developments, of course, which do seem to plague Nakora and the rest of the crew of the Second Chance with frightening regularity. Of course, our original Iron Vow was to go to the space station Prosperity, locate a memory core from the computer there, and bring it back to this strange individual known as Creed, who lives Osseus, which we haven't really talked much about, but it is located near a Jovian world known as Tyr which is a toxic atmosphere and no life. Not to mention also a perpetual superstorm and, to top it all off, pockets of explosive gases. Sounds like my ideal place to go for a vacation, but we will see more of that once we dive on into the episode. As you might have gathered from our introduction, last episode had some interesting developments in it. The episode started off with Tinker working on Subject Alpha, trying to get it back online to get its memory core refixed up. However, in doing so, he required the assistance of Chance, the virtual intelligence on board the second Chance, in order to figure out some of the more complicated programming of Subject Alpha itself. Unfortunately, this inadvertently led to something occurring between Subject Alpha and Chance. We aren't quite sure exactly what the nature of this intermingling of the virtual intelligence and the AI is going to lead to, but Tinker and Nakora are worried that disconnecting Subject Alpha now from the second chance might leave them completely stranded, may completely damage the electrical systems or the programming or outright, well, I guess you can't really kill Chance, but either way, it's a kind of a bad place for them to be in. To top it all off, Petra, for some unknown reason, has this strong distrust, borderline hate for AI. We haven't really seen what that's about yet, but I'm sure it'll come up more in play. The rest of our episode last time revolved around Nakora and the rest of the crew trying to get out of the settlement of Chuo on the planet Aoi before this massive wall of water known as the Tsunami, which is driven by the tidal forces exerted upon this planet by this massive moon that orbits very slowly around the planet. They managed to depart from the planet before this wall of water enveloped Chuo. However, they were only able to have a couple of days to restock and resupply the second chance and were unable to get any maintenance work done on the spaceship or really take the time they need to recover. They've been through a lot the last couple of, how long has it been? I guess probably like a month, maybe a little bit more, since Nakora first landed on the space station Prosperity. Regardless, things are really starting to shape up to be interesting for Nakora and the rest of his crew. Now, with us having entered back into drift space after leaving Chuo and the planet Aoi, we do have to roll on our Undertake an Expedition progress move. We are currently at eight boxes full on our journey to reach Osseus. Our next move we'll make is finish an expedition. When an expedition comes to an end, roll the challenge dice and compare to your progress. We have eight. 
We rolled a 10 and a 5, so a weak hit. On a weak hit, as above, but you face unforeseen complication at the end of your expedition. Make the legacy reward one rank lower and envision what you encounter. So our original difficulty to reach Osseus was dangerous, which would have been two ticks. However, now we only get one tick on our Discovery's legacy track, which will bring us to three ticks. Beyond that, we also have the two secret clocks we are rolling on. Since we were not making any attempts to conceal being active on Chuo, the chance for these progressing is going to be somewhat likely. A 40 is a yes. A 25 is a yes, but not an exceptional yes. So both of them progress by one more piece. So without further ado, and a hearty thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Let's get into it. Blazing a trail through parts of the forge, which have not been officially charted with passages by the Lodestone Guild, also known as the Amalgamated Transit Union, or ATU, is extremely dangerous. The Navigators Guild, their entire reason for existing is the charting and plotting of these constantly changing and fluctuating pathways through the drift. These passages are the arteries that bind the forge together. They're equally as important, if not more so, than the train lines of the Industrial Revolution, the highways of today, or even the great shipping lanes across the open ocean. Someone who is running freight is not going to blindly jump out into the drift like Nakora and the Second Chance does so frequently. It's too risky, and generally these types of ships don't have the software or the ability to plot their way through the unknown chaotic nature of wild drift space. That is why, even if it really doesn't take that long for a jump to be completed, besides, of course, the recharging of the E-Drive, which usually only takes a couple of hours anyways. But the danger is extreme. The stress, the mental toll on those undertaking these blind jumps is hard to comprehend. It would be like an explorer during the age of sail, setting off into the unknown blue, having no idea what might be on the other side, or what horrific monstrous creatures might live deep under the cold blue waves. Usually this sense of elation, of excitement, of being able to throw a dart at a dartboard blindfolded and hit the bullseye is a time of happiness, of celebration aboard a ship. However, that is not the mood aboard the second chance at this time. Dropping out of the drift, this absolutely massive planet fills the cockpit of the second chance, is bathed in the haunting lilac glow from the planet in front of them. Arcing through the swirling, purplish hues of the planet are arcs of electricity through massive, swirling boils that dot the surface of this Jovian planet as they all swirl and move about in the massive storms that constantly plague this inhospitable place. The only settlement around this giant gas ball of argon with ammonia clouds floating above it is the low-orbit space station of Osseus. 
known for its widespread industrial architecture. It almost kind of looks like Cloud City from the Star Wars universe. But it has that same kind of long tapering structure down to a point that extends way down towards the planet where this almost looks like a proboscis sticking out from an insect into these clouds of dense ammonia, which then gets sucked up into the larger structure above for processing. Due to the nature of the Jovian planet, the space station is able to more or less suspend itself above these ammonia clouds, utilizing some sort of gravitational repulsor devices. Now, this place is busy. There's always ships coming and going. Ammonia itself is primarily used for fertilizer, although it is also used as an industrial-grade solvent, and thus the noble houses in particular covet this resource in order to keep their worlds fed. And this planet is pretty much the only real sizable source of ammonia anywhere in the forge that has been discovered so far. With this beautiful, swirling, lilac mass of a planet in front of them, Nakora thinks back to his first time when he came here a few months ago. The reception he had initially received was fully automated in its processes. There's a number of different merchant vessels who are frequently in and out of the system. And looking an awful lot like a merchant vessel itself, the second chance was able to easily go through the automated process and dock at one of the available stations with no problem at all. For the first time since entering into the drift, Nikora calls out to Chance. Hey Chance, are you there buddy? I'm sure you don't remember, but about to dock at Oseus, and I could sure use your help getting through the automated systems. Nothing but silence returns to Nakora. Chance? Chance, you there, buddy? Sorry, I was busy undergoing some routine self-maintenance, and the voice gets cut off, replaced by static. Kor slams his fist down on the controls. Damn it, Chance, I need you right now. I need your help to get through this automated landing system. Can Chance free up enough of its processing power in order to assist Nakora? I think we're going to roll to secure an advantage with resolve, command, or social ability, plus heart, which for us is a 1. We rolled a 5 on our action dice, and a 7, and a 1 on our challenge dice, which gives us a weak hit. Choose one, plus two momentum, or plus one on the next move. We will take the plus two momentum, which brings us up to a four on our momentum. Just as Nakora is reaching up to hail the station, Chance comes back over the speakers. Sir, I have begun. The automated cuts out again. Process is underway. Please stand by at another long silence. Nakora rubs his temples out of frustration. Been approved. We have been assigned Docking Bay 28. However, sir, there appears to be some sort of... And he gets cut off again as it dissolves into static. Chance. Chance. Come back to me, Chance. Damn it. Nakora curses. This shit is impossible. I need my damn VI back. 
Luckily, having gone through the automated process before when he came to Osseus, Nakora is able to join the line of other traffic into the station and with his expertise of flying, doesn't need the autopilot in order to smoothly bring the second chance into the docking bay and successfully arrive at Osseus where Creed has been awaiting his arrival. Since we only scored a weak hit on our progress move to reach Osseus, we're going to see what kind of story complication there might be here at Osseus. We rolled a 10. Debt or promise comes due. Now, I'm not entirely sure what the nature of this debt is going to be, so let's go to our Mythic GM emulator and roll up an action and a subject. 20. Truce. 53. Home. Truce. Home. Truce of home. I think I have an idea. We don't really know where Nakora came from originally, but we do know that he didn't grow up well. He didn't grow up with wealth. In fact, he was probably a street urchin, more or less. Perhaps he even grew up an orphan. A war orphan? Sure. Nakora grew up as a war orphan. I don't think it really matters at this time, the settlement or the planet where Nakora grew up. But someone from Nakora's past is here on Osseus. Very likely someone who doesn't like Nakora that much anymore. Perhaps at one point they were close. But now, well, we will have to see what happens. The docking procedure goes without a problem, as the second chance lands in their assigned docking bay, and the crew exits out of the ship, and they are greeted immediately by the overwhelming smell of ammonia that permeates this place. Not enough to probably cause any long-term health effects, but that stench, the chemically stench of ammonia, permeates every moment of every day of life aboard Osseus. I just need to know a couple of other things about Osseus. What's the authority like here? Fair. All right, pretty straightforward. Is it under the jurisdiction of one of the guilds, or perhaps one of the noble houses? Or is it something entirely different, like Aoi was? We'll try and roll on the affiliation table and see if that helps. 39. Council. A council of who? It doesn't really seem likely that the noble houses would work together to make a council. Or does it? I mean, perhaps the wars between, well, maybe not wars, but the various struggles between the noble houses occurs at a different level than perhaps the business interactions between these massive, bloated noble families. I don't know. Let's ask our fate chart. Give it a, I kind of like it, so let's give it a likely chance. 93 is a no. So it's not a council of nobility. Perhaps I need some help from our faction type generator. 71, fringe group. This just keeps getting more interesting. It's on an established and well-charted passage. It's not run by the nobility or the guilds. Who the hell runs this place? It's not lawless, very fair laws. 
perhaps it's not one of the big guilds that's running the place, but what if it's a collection of small independent shipping companies, I guess? Maybe even individuals who banded together in order to make this hub of trading. I think that despite its relatively small population and size, since it's located on one of the passages through the drift, this place attracts a lot of different individuals transiting through the forge. I think that's very likely the case here. 47 is a yes, so it is a council-run space station independently operated outside of the nobility and the guild system by a council of different traders, perhaps very small corporations, that keeps neutrality with both the noble houses and the guilds, which actually doesn't make it all that different from Chuo on Aoi. Very interesting. Perhaps the Outlands region of the Forge does tend to be a little more independently controlled than the terminus itself or maybe even the expanse which is more like very small scale settlement either way this independently run space station slash ammonia gathering and processing facility complete with alien-esque inspired industrial brutalism as architecture is where we find ourselves as we exit down the ramp of the second chance into this stinking warren of twisting passageways taking the data core from subject alpha Nakora wants to attempt to make some sort of replication of it whether it's an exact copy or with some of the more pertinent information erased from it, there's likely going to be somebody on board this industrial station who can likely help, although unlikely it'll be for free. So, we want to make a connection. When you search out a new relationship or give focus to an existing relationship, roll plus heart. Our heart is one. Uh-oh, we rolled double nines on our challenge dice and a four on our action dice. A miss with an extreme complication. Almost the worst roll we could have made. On a miss, you don't make a connection and the situation worsens. Pay the price. Moving through the twisted industrial corridors of Osseus, Nakora tries to ask clandestinely about where one might find someone who specializes in electronic hardware, specifically involving memory cores and devices of that nature. Before long, he is led down deep into the bowels of the station, and as he does so, he is met by a couple of strange individuals. After a heavy bar is removed from a door, it swings open, revealing two of them wearing thick and heavy robes, obscuring their faces and the rest of their bodies from sight. Nakora, starting to feel that something is quite off about this situation, begins to try and back away from them, but one of them reaches out a hand and grips onto Nakora's forearm like a vice. And like a vice, the hand which grips onto Nakora's forearm is like that out of Terminator. It's a hand that has been completely replaced to be metallic and metal and cold. Just as he's about to reach down with his other hand towards Stubbs, his always trusty shotgun, 
Nakora gets hit in the face with a freight train as the other one of these strange robed members headbutts him. And the last thing Nakora sees as he fades into unconsciousness is a single glowing red eye and a metallic toothy grin. And with that, our episode fades to black. Thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of One Guy, One Roll. As always, I greatly appreciate every single person who takes the time out of their busy day to listen to the podcast. This whole thing would not be possible without your ongoing support and interest in listening to me ramble on every week. I had a great time recording this episode, and with some of those oracles we rolled on and some of the unexpected turns and twists that poor Nakora and the rest of the Second Chances crew are having to deal with, I'm especially interested in exploring the ongoing predicament facing the crew as Chance and Subject Alpha work to sort out whatever weird interconnected relationship the two of them have now. Also, that double nines on the last roll of the episode are going to be very interesting. I think you can probably figure out what's going on if you are an ongoing listener of the podcast. However, for the rest of y'all, there's 34 other episodes for you to listen to and get caught up, and maybe you can figure out what is going on aboard Osseus, which, like pretty much everything else in this podcast, was created out of random oracle roles or just stuff that felt kind of cool to me. As always, the goal of One Guy, One Roll is we live and die by the dice. We are successful and we get crushed by them. There's no re-rolling. There's no flubbing dice. We go where the whims of the dice take us. And it's kind of actually difficult to really get into that mindset. You would think it's freeing to not have to worry about some weird oracle role that just doesn't really make sense that you're having a hard time connecting together. But I think it's also rewarding. It makes you use creativity. It gets you outside of just a boring, basic, uninspired creation because you never know which way the dice are going to land. Anyways, as y'all know by now, this entire podcast would not be possible to financially support without the generous contributions made by my Patreons over on patreon.com slash one guy one role. Although just listening to the podcast alone is more than I could ever ask from anybody. If you are interested in helping to financially support the podcast and allow me to acquire new equipment in order to improve the podcast, especially a new microphone, I like the one I have now, but I'd like to upgrade into something that's a little crisper, a little bit more clear. On top of the two newest members from last week, there was another generous supporter who signed up to help support the podcast this last week as well. A huge thank you to Journeyman James. Thank you so much and the warmest of welcomes to the Solo Roleplaying Guild. Beyond your generous contribution and support, I'd like to thank all of the other Patreon members as well including Apprentice Sam, Journeyman Stefan, Journeyman JL, and Journeyman Wes. Thank you so much for your continued contributions, and y'all make this entire experiment possible. Thank you. 
I'd gotten lucky this holiday season and was able to get a substantial time off of work. And I was actually able to enjoy the holidays at home, which is something that's very uncommon in my line of work. Unfortunately, now that the holiday season is over, I have to start going back to work with more regularity. I am going to be gone next week, and I do hope that I will be able to squeeze in another episode at the end of next week, but no promises. I'm just letting you all know that I tend to be gone from home for a week or two at a time for my actual job. So with all that out of the way, thank you all so very much for listening. I have been Herocidides, your host, player, and GM here at One Guy, One Roll, signing off. Have a great day and stay safe out there, y'all.